Lord Jesus, you told us that you came that we might have life and have it to the full. So, Lord, that's, um, that's what we want. We want your life in us every day to the full. So, Lord, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to change, how you need to work in our lives, Lord, we would ask for that now. And, Lord, we just give this service to you. I believe that every person is here today by divine appointment you have something for each of us as our hearts are open to you. I pray for my brother Danny. I lift him up to you that you would fill him with your spirit, that you would give him boldness to speak all that you've given to him. Thank you again for our time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Danny's going to be speaking in a minute. I've got several Several things I want to run over in the announcements that I want to mention again. Um, one is the special prayer time with the UCs. Um, please join us for that if you could. And, and let me just say, I know they're, they're trying to get their support back up to the level it needs to be to go back to Japan. So I would encourage you to come out and hear about that need and join us. And that's on Wednesday, May the 3rd for our prayer meeting. Um, it will not be a long meeting, so uh, join us for that as well. Also, one correction, the, uh, the Global Leadership Summit, it says August 11th and 12th. It's actually August 10th and 11th, and that may matter to some of you. That's a Thursday and Friday. You'll be hearing more about that. We try to take a group from Emporia every year down for this. It's a great leadership conference. Whatever you're, wherever you're leading, whatever you're involved in, we encourage you to come and join us for that. Also, there's a, okay, a couple things, the house, housekeeping again about this week. Uh, the church parking lot will be closed Thursday until the baptism on Saturday night, with this exception, the exception being that you can drop off stuff for the garage sale for Christian Challenge. We're having a garage sale on Saturday, and you can drop off items for the garage sale Friday up next to the building. The reason we're doing this is we're restriping our parking lot, which it's, uh, if you've noticed, the lines of I'm sure Danny noticed, Danny notices these things, the, the lines needed to be restriped, and so we're getting that done before one church next weekend. It says in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning of verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so... To reflect this oneness, we're going to have one church next week, and the time is not in the bulletin, but it's 10 o'clock. Now make a note of that. Make a special note of that. That's not the time you came this morning. And if you normally come to 11 o'clock service, that's not the time you come. That's a holy, holy, holy different time. <laughs> we hope it's a holy time. It is a holy different time as well. So um, snacks at 9.30 and coffee and all that, 10 o'clock, one worship service, and I know you're thinking, how are we going to put all the people in here? You're going to sit really close to other people next week. There aren't going to be any empty seats. I will actually get people on the front row next week. Every pastor's dream to have people sitting on the front row, and, and so we, we're going to put more chairs in here. You saw about the parking, and uh, I appreciate Jordan telling you not to go to another church that day because the parking lot's full. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's a good word. We did have a lady drive through the car parking lot a couple times a few weeks ago, and she couldn't find a space, and she left, which broke my heart. So uh, we've got to make sure we, we're using all the other spaces as well as the ones that are marked out there. 
So 10 o'clock, and you can read about it, and um, uh, be a great time to see people that go to church here, that go to that other church that you uh, maybe have never met because you always come at 9.15. We have some who only come at 11 o'clock as well. So you'll meet somebody, I'll bet you, next week that you never met. So come back for that. Excited about that. Danny and Beth served here with us for four years from 2007 to 2011. Danny was the student pastor, but also I should have known he was going to be a senior pastor because he was always seeing lots of other areas of the church and asking me about them. He had an eye for facilities. He, he had an eye for church administration. And what I always appreciated by, about Danny is... Um, He'd come in my office on Monday mornings, and he'd say, well, have you been thinking about this? And he'd be thinking out there six months, a year ahead about something that he saw on the horizon, and he was making sure, he was making sure that I saw it coming too. Um, Danny had a lot of vision, a lot of foresight, and um, um, our students were blessed uh, by your ministry here, Danny. Our church was blessed, and I was blessed, so... Danny Payne, come join us tell, and tell folks what you're doing now. Well, I just got out of prison, so I just... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, let me just say, um, most of you, I don't know a lot of you because I've been gone a long time now, but I will say this, that this church, uh, I came out of a very difficult season of ministry and this church was truly an oasis for Beth and I, and in particular, him. Um, he nurtured me, helped me get my confidence back, uh, allowed me to lead, and uh, I was eternally grateful for this church and his leadership in my life because I'm not sure um, in the season of life that I had, was coming out of that I would have survived it. Uh, I would have probably done something else. And so I'm very grateful for this church because of what it has done for me and what it allowed me to do. And we left here in 2011, went up to uh, uh, Latha, Vista Baptist, where I became the lead pastor there. And was there, loving it, great, no, just loving, served in, serving there. And then um, during that journey, the, a church that I served at and also grew up in in Derby, which is south of Wichita. I grew up there, went to high school there, and uh, served there as their youth pastor as well. And they were beginning to look for a senior pastor. And I, you know, you don't normally go back to a church you've served. That's just kind of the protocol. And God allowed us to go back. And it's been a great journey. My, my family attends there. Um, and it's been a great journey for Beth and I to be back in a community in which we grew up in. And so we're grateful. But I'm also equally grateful to be back here this morning sharing with you. So if you've got your Bibles, go to the book of Galatians. How many of you love getting your photos taken? Be honest. Anybody? All the teenagers like to do it because this is just normal. All you adults are like, what? And so I despised getting my picture taken. Not because I just didn't like it, but because my mother always did this. The thumb. How many of you mothers know what the thumb means? Put a little moisture on it. It means something on the hair is going to get fixed. And I hated that with my mother because she, before pictures, inevitably, there was a, a lick and then something with my hair was going to get fixed. The pictures, I hope, will make more sense to you at the end of the service. There is a purpose to my madness, and I hope that you'll uh, indulge me in that. Uh, I am excited to teach with you and to walk with you. If you are an, uh, a, a note follower, 
there is a thing for you that might help you with that. And so Galatians chapter 1, I hope will be helpful to you. Uh, I thought, you know, one of the things that I'm learning as a pastor and as a, a person growing in the relationship with God is that if anybody adds anything to the gospel, that how you come to faith in Christ, the, th- the songs we were singing about, then the gospel gets watered down and it's no longer the gospel anymore. That the things that Christ did for us that we celebrated last week, if anybody's adding to it to make it more complicated, to make it more difficult, that's not the purpose behind the gospel. Jesus said, I've done it all for you. You don't have to do anything else. And in the book of Galatia, we see this tension going on because you had all these people going, Jesus, yeah, Jesus did that stuff, but maybe we ought to help him. Maybe there ought to be some other things that we ought to do. And so a key phrase you'll probably hear me say as I speak today is this, Jesus plus anything else is not the true gospel. Jesus plus anything else is not the true gospel. That means if somebody has to add to it, that means that's not what Jesus had intended. That's not what he was about. And so let me give you a few things as we're kind of walking through there is this. If we leave grace behind, our faith becomes like all other religions, earned salvation. I remember a number of years ago when I was here, Garen was teaching on that very thing. And, and I, matter of fact, I, I stole it from him because it was so good because he talked about all the other world religions are very works-based, and on, on a grassroots level, all of the religions have similar morality things that everybody could probably agree on, but when it comes to salvation, there's one devious thing happens here that when you, all of a sudden, you deviate to, over to this thing that Jesus does, and that Jesus is the only way, and all these others, it, became, it continues to build up this works thing, and it's an amazing thing for us. It says, God's love for you and me is not based on performance, and it's funny because we fight that. I don't know about you. How many of you grew up in church? You were born going to church. Okay, I was born going to church. I was, I've been in church my whole life, and it's an easy tension to have that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win God's approval. I, I'm sure there were people here last Sunday thought, well, if I go to church, and if you have any special services, I'm going to get extra points with God. How many of you, if you've been in church long enough, actually got an attendance pin? How many of you, I mean, how many of you have them still? See, it was interesting because back in those days, some of you are like attendance pins. Yeah, you got attendance pins. And are they bad things? Of course not. But sometimes those can become the main things. Those can become the, the God things that we think, if I do all these things, then God's going to be more in love with me. And it's interesting because God loved you so much, it's not based on performance, but on what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that should say, that should be a does statement. But I know a lot of people that are trying to help God with their salvation by simply doing by trying to help him just in case, in case God is, maybe the cross isn't everything that we thought it would be. So uh, I do this with my, my church family frequently, so don't, don't get nervous. And I, so I'm going to start over on this side because this side seems more spiritual. No, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll start over here. No. I'll start over here. Now, I want you to think of one word, one word that comes to mind, so all of you got time now, one word that comes to mind when you hear the word gospel. One word. This group right here, this awesome, amazing group. One word. Give me some words. What? News. N- news, Christ, what else? Good, okay, right here. When you hear the word gospel, what? Truth, Truth sharing, grace, okay, good. I'm not looking for a patented answer, don't freak out. Okay, right here. Love, amazing, Jesus, very good. 
See, some of y'all are going, man, they're taking our answers. Okay, right here. Okay, very good. Over here. Hope. Any others? How about the super spiritual ones on the back? Come on, Karen. As I've thought about that, because I know my tendency to try to help God in my salvation, done. The gospel means done. It's been done for me. I don't have to do anything else for it. I want to. My natural inclination is to help God in my salvation instead of enjoying it and celebrating it. And let me just tell you, all the things that we do in ministry, oftentimes, I I mean, I've served with lots of people. I've seen people serving God and somehow it got lost in translation that no one serves like me, and if no one doesn't do this job, then this ministry gets tanked, and they think that God's going to give them some sort of merit badge for serving in a particular area for umpteen years. I hope that that reason we do that is an, is an outflow of our love for him, not to try to win his approval. So with that in mind, let me put this out here real quick, and if I spill this, it'll be, that's why we have carpet. I want to try to drive this point home because I think more of you in here are trying to help Jesus with your salvation than you would like to admit. There's one thing to walking with Jesus, but there's another thing that we try to help him with our salvation. If this picture represents you and the water in it represents Christ in your life, and these simple rocks represent the things that we put into our life, and they're not bad things. But if I'm going to read my Bible, I'm challenging my church family to read the Bible through this year. And I know that there are some people reading the Bible and they're able to check it off. And I said this in my, to my own family, that sometimes you just check it off because look what I'm doing, God. I, I have read everything. I am, up to, I am up to date, God. I have read everything I'm supposed to. And I know there's some other people that aren't even reading their Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay? God, no one gives like we do Man, I've got a great business. Things are going great. I give, and I know that I give more than anybody else in that church. God, I never miss Sunday. I'm here every Sunday. I sing all the songs. I even welcome people. I even go to a life group, God. God, I am helping some of my missionaries. I'm going to help them do their thing. God, I'm even going to help some crazy kids go to Super Summer this year. God, I love VBS. I can't wait for that. I, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna give them a bunch of, I'm gonna do a bunch of things for them. I'm gonna do whatever I can for that. Oh man, God, I can't wait for a mission conference. I love that time we get to see the missionaries. I get to tell them how much I love them and how much money I'm giving to them. Oh man, God, I love when we have a, a fish fry. I love you know, it's funny, guys, because do you see where I'm going with this? Are, all those, are any of those things bad? No. None of those are bad. But when we start to use those things to leverage God's love for us, that's when they're not healthy anymore. They're not really meant for what that happens. And what happens is, is that these things give no room for God to come into your life. And so we have to start removing these things out of our life. And that's what Paul is trying to tell his people. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go through just 10 verses, not very many, but I want you to see this real quick. It says, Paul, an apostle, and the apostle means sent, sent from men, um, sent from men, nor by men, but by Christ 
of Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So all the brothers and sisters with me to the church in Galatia. Now, I love this because Paul wrote in letters and he wrote very personally and very passionately. These people were getting it right spiritually. They, Jesus was enough, Jesus was it, everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in and throws a kink in their faith journey. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. Now let me just tell you, give you some peace of mind. Everybody in this room needs rescuing. Everybody needs rescuing. And it's funny because you need rescuing for your salvation, and only Christ can do that. And sometimes you need rescuing because somebody just, you need help. When I came here as the youth guy, I needed rescuing. Many of you don't know that, but I did. Al knew that because he knew the season which I was walking out. I needed rescuing, and this church provided that to me. And I'll never forget that. All of us need rescuing, so if you're taking notes, I'm just going to help you. You all need rescuing. I need rescuing, all right? Why did Jesus rescue us? Pretty simple. He gave his life for our sins. Jesus was the rescuer that we all needed. And it, this should be pretty simple for us, but I think more of us our tendency is to, okay, God, let me help you with this. I think the cross is great, and you've done a lot, a lot of awesome stuff, but maybe you need some help here. And I love what Romans 3.23 says. It says, for all, not some, not a little, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace, not your doing. Not something you've accomplished, not something you're about. It says, by His grace. By his grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And he's, Paul is trying to drive home this point that it's not what you do, it's what's been done for you. Now just get out of his way and enjoy. Allow the cross to do the transformation that it wants to do for you and me. So grab your picture for just a second. I want you to look at this for a second. Because sometimes you grab a picture and you go, okay, yay, yay, yay. It reminds you all the things that aren't right your past, your present, maybe where your future's headed. And you know what happens is you look at that and you go, man, God, you know, maybe I just need to do a little bit more. And, God's, and, and here's what Jesus is saying. It's already been done. It's been done for you. Let me do the transformation. Stop trying to help me because you're making it more complicated. Enjoy it. Look at what he says in verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting. And that word deserting is this. You're basically transferring allegiance. That means you thought that the cross was everything that you needed, and it was great. And all of a sudden you're going, well, let's see. What they're talking about in this, if you were to follow it all the way through, is that circumcision was supposed to be a major part of the salvational journey. They were saying, Jesus is great, but if you really want to be all spiritual, you want to be super spiritual, then add circumcision if you were a male. He's like, um, and, G and Paul is going, no, you don't. Jesus is enough. And so they were adding that in to make it more man-doing instead of God-doing. See, the funny thing is for us is that we see this all the time. If you look back in Jesus' day, they had all these guidelines. That, see, the, the guidelines that God put in play in the Old Testament were simply guardrails. They were to point you to the Savior, not replace Him. And what happens is, is that the guardrails were there to point you to that you needed a Savior and it wasn't you. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders said, 
you know, those are really awesome. Let's add some more. Let's make it more difficult to have a relationship with God. Because in a grassroots level, following God, when you add rules, means you want more control. And you ultimately want to be God. Because you want to have say. And that's why people tend to do this kind of works-based faith. Is if I can do all these things for God, then somehow I'm going to win some approval with God. So let's keep dancing. He says, you, you go into this different gospel. And he's talking about the circumcision piece that, that they were trying to add in there. He says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to, look at the word he uses, trying to pervert the true gospel, the real gospel, the gospel that Jesus is enough. It's an amazing thing when you watch people who do this. I, I, I was a youth pastor, and I watched this, this girl, and, and she was in my student ministry, and we were going on a mission trip, and she was furious that we were allowing new students to go who had not been attending our church longer than her, or as long as her. And I remember that the worship leader and I, after church on a Sunday night, she was like, I can't believe you're letting them go. They've not been here, they've not done, and she just rattled off all the things that they should have done to be worthy to go on this trip because she was really the only one worthy to go. And I remember that David, my, was my friend, we, we, were, we were on staff together, and we, said, we looked at her and we said, do you really want to have this conversation right now after church? She goes, yes, I do. And boy, both of us went, and we just unloaded on this poor girl. I was so mad. She had no kingdom focus. It was all self-focus. It was all earns-based faith. Look at me, God. I'm always here. I never miss. Look at me, God. And, and instead of saying, that girl and those kids ought to go on the mission trip because they're just getting started into our student ministry and we want to see them become part of the bigger family, man, we unloaded on her. I mean, I was mad. I, I don't normally get mad very often, but I was mad. I was mad because her focus was not on, on the kingdom of God. It was on her. And it saddened me that somebody who had grown up in church had missed that. And she's far better now than she was, but boy, as a teenager, whew. So let me talk to you a couple things. Different gospel is costly. In a nutshell, it's legalism, for those of you that aren't familiar with that term. Because it's a couple things. It's in your notes. Your power, not God's power. Your rules. And ultimately, you want to earn His favor. You want God to be happy with you. You want God to be impressed with you. You want God to say, wow, look at that guy. Look at that girl. They are super spiritual. They are super spiritual. I love what Timothy Keller, um, if you've not read anything of his, I, let me just tell you, uh, read all he has. I've read everything he's put out, and I, I'm better for it. I love what he says. The moment you revise the gospel, you reverse it. There's a lot of truth in that statement. Anytime you add anything to what Jesus has done, you're taking away its true power. So look at verse 8. He says, but even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. He says, even if an angel came down, he's really trying to drive home this point. He says, look, if they're teaching anything else than Jesus, look at what he says, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, let them be under God's curse. He says, don't let anybody do this. And if, if they're teaching you something else, they're going to pay dearly for this because they're leading people astray. So why, why would he say this is so important for us this morning? Because souls are at stake, 
Really, they are. Because if you're telling somebody they can, because let me ask you a question. Let me get out here. If, some, if, you are, if it's an earns-based faith, is there ever a point you've earned enough? There's never enough. You're never quite sure. You're always kind of going, I think I've done enough. I, I hope I've done enough. Maybe God will grade on a curve. I always hoped that in high school. Let me just tell you. I hope, I prayed, please, Jesus, if, the, if there really is a God made that the teacher will grade on a curve. And I think there's sometimes we want Jesus to grade on a curve. It's like Jesus says, I've already I've done it for you. You don't have to fret about this. Souls are at stake and the health of the church is at stake. Because when the true gospel is being preached and being taught consistently and you're being pointed to the cross, the church is stronger. The church is better. Because people don't want to come in going, okay, here are all the things you're doing wrong and here's how, how you want to get there. Let God do those things. God is a great revealer of sin. He really is. He does it good. He does it better than I do. Verse 10. I am, and look at what he says. He says, he goes, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? He says, I'm going to tell you straight up that it is Jesus who is the Savior. It is Jesus who does the redeeming. It is Jesus' way. He goes, I'm not trying to win man's approval. And, and if you read the whole chapter of, of the book of Galatians, you see that. He says, or am I trying to please people? Isn't pleasing people exhausting? You just never, ever get there. You will not ever hear somebody go, you know, you've pleased me enough. Thank you so much. You're not going to hear that. They're always going to say, and what do you got for me? What's next? He says, but if, one of the most powerful words in the Bible, folks, let me just tell you, if you want to do a study, look up the word if and look at how powerful that word is in God's word. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He says, I am not going to muddy the waters. I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach the true gospel. I'm going to point people to the saving knowledge that Jesus is the way and there is no other way. Pretty simple. And I'm not going to add to it. I'm not going to have an addendum to it that says, and if you do these things, that's really important. I've said this already. People pleasing is costly. Because it's a merry-go-round that we never get off of. Because we want to keep everybody happy. Spinning the plates. There was a great, uh, at Leadership Summit, I remember there was a great drama they did. And this guy's running around spinning all these plates. Trying to keep everybody happy. And trying to keep all the ministries flowing. It's exhausting. People pleasing is exhausting. And so Paul is saying, I'm not going to please people. I'm going to please God. I'm going to point people back to God. And the last thing is that people pleasing ultimately is idolatry. Because you want their approval. And sometimes we want them at the approval, at the, at the sake of our relationship with God. So Jesus plus anything else isn't the true gospel. But we love to help him in that faith journey. We sang songs. I, I remember this, I was listening to this one song, I Believe. I, we sang earlier a song called Christ is Enough. He is enough. Anything that we do here should be an outflow of our love for him, not to try to win his approval, not to try to dazzle him, not to say, God, look at me. Anything we do here should be a way to point back to what he has done for us, and this is, this is gratitude. This is, I love my Jesus, and I want to show you. That's really important for us because I know that for some of you in this room, you have come in here, and I, I completely agree with Al that you are not here by accident. And the photo that you have 
is a picture of you. It's a snapshot. And sometimes you think, man, God, because I've been doing church work a long time, and one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of people say, if I get my life in order, then I'll go back to church. Now let me ask you a question. Do you ever get your life back in order? Yes or no? You don't. People don't get their life back in order. So Satan's great ploy is to say, well, you've got this area to clean up. You've got this area to clean up. You've got and it's a works-based faith. He's got you tricked into a works-based faith. If you get all these areas cleaned up, then Jesus will love you more. Then the church will welcome you back. There's an old, there's an old song that we sing, come just as you are. That's what Jesus would be saying to you this morning. Come just as you are. Don't try to earn your way back to me. It's already been done. That's what the gospel's been, that's what we preach. The gospel has been done for you. And the sooner you can enjoy that, this stuff becomes an outflow, not to try to earn. What I want to do, uh, this hopefully will now will make a whole lot more sense. I want to show you a video. And the video is just a great picture of how God sees us. And when you, when you start to see how God sees you, you're not so inclined to try to earn his approval or to try to win his favor or to try to dazzle him with all the things you're doing because sometimes in life you need to be rescued. So check out this video. Make more sense now? The cross, the gospel that we talk about is about making beautiful things out of us. And how you see yourself is really how God sees you and wants to do some extraordinary things. And, and when you see yourself and you go, okay, God, I can't, but you can, he can start to make a beautiful thing in your life. But you can't earn it. You can't do enough of this stuff to make for that happen. You have to go to the cross with open arms as we sang and say, okay, God, your way, not mine. I come to you surrendered. See, the cross is about healing. It's about forgiveness. It's about hope. It's about done. If you want to see the picture evolve and change, allow Christ to do what he said he would do, and he promised to do it. And that's what this passage of Scripture is, pastor of Scripture that Paul is talking about. It's been done for you. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Don't add to it. Any of these things that you do ought to be an outflow, not to earn it. And I know that your pastors here would love to talk to you about a journey with Jesus. Because some of you, you look at your picture and you're like, oh my word, I, I, yay, yay. And I gotta tell you that Jesus is in the business and has been of making beautiful things out of us. Let me pray. Father, I pray for people in this room. First off, that we, we need a rescuer and it's not me. It's not a church. It's not parents. It's not husbands, wives, dear friends, life groups. It is you and only you. And I pray for some in this room, Father. Uh, they're not sure that you can make a beautiful thing out of their life. And I pray, Father, that you would make a clear and resounding yes in their life, that you would reveal yourself to them in such a level that they would know that all things are possible, that you are all that you, ought, that you said you are and that you would do what you said you would do. And the cross is powerful enough to redeem us all. God, I pray for some in this room that they would take that step of journey to say, I need a redeemer. I need the Savior because I can't do it on my own. And I've tried. I pray for some in this room like me who've grown up in church and who have not intentionally, not maliciously, have tried to add busyness, add lots of things 
of the spiritual world, whether it's reading, giving, serving, attending, whatever, as a means to try to win your approval or your affection. And it was meant for good, and now we're more afraid that we're missing something. And I pray that you will free them, that anything we do is hopefully an outflow of our love for you. Not to, make, not to be guilt-ridden, but to just enjoy you, God. And I pray, Father, that we will have the courage to allow you to make a beautiful thing out of our lives because the gospel is enough. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.